Hi, everyone, and welcome to the State of State Schools podcast. I'm your host, John Stamper, Christian author, former homeschooler, and former public school teacher. Once a week, I'll give a quick recap of the most important headlines in education and pull back the curtain on what's really happening in our kids' schools. If you're a teacher, parent, or homeschool family, this podcast is for you. Thanks for listening, and let's get started. An update on Indiana's House Bill 1608, co-ed bathrooms, removing parental rights, sneaking CRT and DEI into schools, and a transgender teacher threatens to shoot students. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode number 18. We have five stories to get to, all coming from the week of April 17th. Story number one comes from WTHR. This is an update on Indiana's proposed House Bill 1608. This bill has been floating around for uh, the last few months, floating around the House, being amended, read, and voted on. The latest version has some very important amendments that would be huge losses for the state of Indiana, for teachers, children, and their parents. The previous version of this bill uh, was highlighted by three major proposals. First of all, that human sexuality could not be taught until fourth grade. Second, parents must give consent for their child to use a different name or pronoun in school. And three, teachers cannot be punished for refusing to use preferred pronouns. Well, the most recent amendments completely undid two of those three components. So the newest version of this bill states that one, if a child asks to use a different name or pronoun at school, then the school must notify at least one parent within five days. Notice the difference here. There is no parental consent anymore. Parents don't have to give their consent. That was taken out. Now, the school will simply notify the parents. Just one, just one parent, and there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. So parents don't need to give consent. Schools will simply tell the parents what's happening. Second, teachers that refuse to use preferred pronouns, teachers like me, who refuse to lie to confused children, teachers are no longer protected. Instead, the individual schools will determine how to handle that situation. But get this, if a student wants to use a different name or pronoun at school, they have to fill out and submit a request form at school first. Then the school must notify a parent within five days. So if a child doesn't fill out a request form, then the legal obligation is removed. Everything can remain a secret between the school and the student. No need to involve those pesky parents. So there's this nice little gray area for schools to sidestep the law and continue this trans indoctrination. In fact, Senator Shelley Yoder proposed an amendment to allow students to take back their written request so that schools are not required to notify the parents. So here we have this manipulative, dishonest, dangerous game of adults at school finding all the loopholes and doing everything they can just to deceive, to lie to, and to remove parents from a child's education. And this isn't even an education issue. This is a moral, life-altering, ideological issue. 
being pushed on children, and it's going to have lifelong consequences. And the state is doing everything it can to make sure parents don't mess that up. Story number two comes from Fox News. Parents lose yet another battle to the transgender religion. In Washington State, Senate Bill 5599, also known as the, quote, Supporting Youth and Youth Adults Seeking Protected Health Care Services Act, end quote, has passed both the State House and the Senate and will now move to the governor's desk. This bill was voted along party lines with every Democrat in support and every Republican against. It allows for a couple of things. First of all, if a child runs away from home for whatever reason, a host home or a shelter can take the child in, give the child gender affirming care, and is not required to notify the parents about any of it. Instead of contacting the child's mother and father or legal guardians, the shelter or the group home would contact the Washington Department of Children, Youth, and Families. This is precisely what I mean when I say that the state, the government, is intentionally undermining parents and the family unit. They don't contact the parents, they contact child services. So the only thing standing in the way of this happening is whether or not your child decides to run away from home. And with the blatant brainwashing and indoctrination taking place in public schools and on social media, parents are fighting enemies on all fronts. This is a spiritual battle too great for us alone. That's why I consistently point people to the word of God and giving their children a biblical education. That's why I'm such a proponent of homeschooling. Remember, the bill's name doesn't just include supporting youth, but it also includes, quote, seeking protected health care services, end quote, which includes gender affirming care. The bill states that gender affirming treatment can be prescribed to two-spirit, transgender, non-binary, and other gender-diverse individuals. The bill is unclear as to which specific treatments would be covered, but the most typical treatments for such dysphoria are puberty blockers, cross-sex hormones, and surgeries. So not only can the state take your children without telling you, but they can pump them full of drugs and mutilate their bodies. Democratic State Rep. Tana Sen stated in support of the bill, quote, I am saying tonight to them, talking about other people's children, I'm saying that I see you, that I affirm you, that I hear you, that I love you, end quote. This is a demented dystopian statement that sounds like it's from Hunger Games or something. These people are luring children away from their parents saying, I hear you, I love you. Your parents don't love you, I love you because I affirm you. This bill and anyone who supports it takes the posture of parents being abusive and not worthy of having children. Then state reps like this woman assume the parental role saying, I see you, I affirm you, I hear you, I love you. State Senate Republican John Braun stated in opposition of this bill, quote, the only thing this bill would do is cause harm by driving a wedge between vulnerable kids and their parents at a time when a teen lacks the perception and judgment to make critical life-altering decisions. 
A parent may not even know why the child ran away and could involve law enforcement or other groups in a desperate search. All the while, going through an unnecessary emotional nightmare, imagining the worst about what might have happened, end quote. You may remember me talking about Sage's Law, which has since failed in Virginia, but Sage was a teenage girl who was basically held hostage at a Maryland boys' home, and state officials refused to return Sage to her grandparents, who were her legal guardians. Sage had run away from home, run away from the boys' home, I should say, and she became a victim of sex trafficking. My point is, laws like this sound nice and they play on your emotions. You know, support the youth. I see you. I love you. And people are inclined to support it because everyone wants to be Mr. Nice Guy. But the reality is, these bills and these policies are cruel to children. They're criminal to parents. And they're absolutely destructive to society. And to bring it all back home for you, this is the ideology being pushed, by and large, in public schools around the country. Story number three comes from AIM.org. Teachers, administrators, and superintendents from around the state of Indiana, my home state, were caught on camera explaining how they're still able to sneak in critical race theory and diversity, equity, and inclusion instruction under the radar, or as I like to say it, behind the curtain. Through a series of undercover interviews, Project Veritas style, a group called Accuracy in Media was able to gather information on how this secret indoctrination is taking place in public schools. And just a quick plug, this is exactly what my book is about. My book's called Conflicted, Pulling Back the Curtain on Public Education. You can find it on Amazon and masterbooks.com backslash conflicted. This is exactly why I wrote this book. Because when I taught for Chicago Public Schools, I was seeing this indoctrination taking place behind the curtain, subtly, where most people couldn't see it. And when I say people couldn't see it, I don't mean it's because, you know, it happened in a secret room or a secret meeting after hours, etc. I mean, parents don't see it because it's hidden in plain sight. They don't realize what they're looking at when they're actually looking at it. For example, quote unquote, diversity, equity, and inclusion sound great, but that's a Trojan horse for critical race theory and gender theory. Quote unquote, a safe and welcoming environment. Sounds like a no brainer. Yes, of course. Safe, welcoming, wonderful. But that phrase is being used to justify lying to parents about their child's gender transition at school. It sounds confusing, I know, but that's kind of part of the strategy. Confuse people, deny involvement, keep them off balance. So they can't make an argument against you. So let, let's get back to the story and you'll see what I mean. I'll give you some of the quotes taken from these various education leaders around the state of Indiana, Plainfield, Elkhart, Martinsville, Goshen. And then you'll see some of the tactics that they use and you'll be better informed. First, these people consist of two assistant superintendents, one assistant superintendent of curriculum, instruction, and assessment, and one director of e-learning and literacy. So it's not just random classroom teachers with 20 students. These are high up administrators of very large school systems. And here's what they had to say about sneaking critical race theory and diversity, equity, and inclusion into the public education curriculum. 
quote, we really, we stay under the radar and we'd like to keep it that way, end quote. We just have to avoid the words, you know, the labels. SEL, social emotional learning, has become a bad phrase. We don't openly use that phrase, but we're still doing it. And in regards to changing the name of an equity and inclusion committee at one school district, one person said, quote, right now it's named a work group. We had started some really deep diving into our curriculum and kind of doing that white privilege walk and making sure, like, just understand, right? What we've decided to do is not call attention to it because when you call attention to it, then questions are asked. And I really believe that you can do more good under the radar, end quote. Here's a final quote about how one administrator is asking curriculum providers to be more discreet in their textbooks and not to highlight CRT and DEI, but still keep them in the texts. One said, quote, we have talked to our textbook companies that are coming and doing presentations, and I actually prepped them a little bit because I'm like, we want this in our curriculum, so if you could just not say specifically this, then it won't cause a red flag with the community. And I hate that we have to do that, but that way it's still there and they would support it if just the content was there. They just, you know, it's the title, end quote. So this last quote is exactly what I mean when I say that parents are looking right at it, but they don't realize what they're looking at. These teachers, administrators, textbook providers, and curriculum providers are steps ahead, which means this indoctrination is 100% intentional. They're not accidentally or coincidentally changing the name of the equity club to the work group. It's not an accident they use diversity and equity instead of critical race theory. It's not an accident they use inclusion and safe space instead of gender theory. And let's not miss the forest for the trees Let's not miss what's in plain sight. The motivation behind all of this is to keep parents out of education. What kind of person plans, plots, conspires, and works to intentionally fool parents? To intentionally deceive parents? What adult wants to influence a child's mind and their outlook on life and hide it from the parents? It's sick. So parents, teachers, you must be informed on what these terms mean, these buzzwords. You got to know what the school clubs and teacher committees are really doing. You got to screen the special school programs and the special school speakers throughout the year. And you must demand that you become a part of the curriculum adoption process. This, of course, is if you cannot homeschool or you decide not to homeschool. Story number four comes from the Daily Wire. A transgender teacher in Florida was removed from school after making threats to harm himself and students. The teacher uses she, her pronouns, so I'm assuming it's a man, and was reportedly upset over a social media post in which, quote, their sexual orientation was being discussed negatively, end quote. The teacher had been seeing the school's guidance counselor, and was reportedly having bad thoughts, thoughts of suicide and harming others. The teacher, who happened to own several firearms, 
made the statement that they, quote, wanted to shoot some students due to them not performing to their ability, end quote. Local police responded and immediately removed three guns along with ammo from the teacher's home, and the teacher was also removed from the classroom. Some in the community say the teacher was targeted for being trans, while others stated they didn't care about that, but they only cared about their child's safety and education. And if a student made the same statements and threats, they would be expelled too. So my first thought is that this reaction from this teacher this type of reaction is the next step in the process. It's not the right step or the correct step. It's not healthy or positive, but it's the reaction that people are being brainwashed into having. Students, teachers, and society as a whole have been and are being conditioned only to affirm trans people. I was at Chicago Public Schools. And according to this woke trans ideology, any refusal to affirm a trans person, it's considered an act of abuse, harm, and danger toward the trans person. So the next step for that perceived victim is to lash out and express their anger, to have quote-unquote bad thoughts. It's a complete breakdown and in inability to handle any sort of criticism whatsoever. Transgenderism is an ideology so weak and illogical that when presented with any resistance or any disagreement whatsoever, its followers break out into convulsions and threats of physical violence. So if you are not familiar with the history and the origin of gender ideology, please listen to episode 14 of this podcast titled, Where Does Gender Ideology Come From? Learn all you can about Alfred Kinsey and John Money, and then you'll see that the further society goes down the path of gender identity, transgenderism, sexual perversion, the further we'll go into chaos and mental depravity. Story number five also comes from the Daily Wire. This story is about boys using girls' bathrooms in public schools. Two years ago in Loudoun County, Virginia, a male student who says he's trans raped a female classmate in the girls' bathroom at school. The male student was transferred to a neighboring school where he proceeded to sexually assault another female in another classroom, again at school. I wrote about this incident in my book and it was heavily covered in the national media. One of the girl's fathers attended a school board meeting to confront school board members about their attempts to cover up the rape of his daughter at school. The father was forcefully carried out of the meeting, arrested and embarrassed in front of the entire country. Well, it turns out he was right all along, of course, and the superintendent was eventually indicted for allegedly lying and trying to cover up the rape. Well, in the wake of all this scandal, that very same school district recently made a huge decision that they think will solve this problem. After years of consideration, national scrutiny, disgrace, lawsuits, They've decided to make their bathrooms gender neutral. That's it. That's the plan. Gender neutral bathrooms. So after rape and after sexual assault, one of which took place in the bathroom, the school's solution is to remove any penalty or punishment for boys going into the girls' restroom. There's no penalty. 
They're not doing anything to protect the girls from being raped or assaulted. They're simply accommodating the confused, delusional, gender dysphoric trans students. And they're spending $11 million to do it. So the only real change, other than allowing boys to use the girls' restroom, will be that stalled doors will be floor to ceiling. So what good does this actually do? Well, according to the school, this is supposed to provide some sort of safety or comfort to the girls because now they don't have to see a boy's shoes in the stall next to them. Well, that's not the problem. Girls being able to see a boy's feet is not as problematic as rape and sexual assault. So going back to the rape incident that occurred, a teacher actually walked into the bathroom during the rape and was able to see two pairs of feet under the bathroom stalls. Yet the teacher did nothing to stop it. So adding floor to ceiling doors will make it impossible for anyone to see if a rape or sexual assault is taking place. These stalled doors just provide more privacy for wrongdoing and they remove any sort of an escape route for victims. Students could also engage in consensual sex just with more privacy. And let's not forget about the issue of drug use in school. Students could use drugs or even overdose on drugs and be laying inside the stall and nobody would know. What, you know, until a custodian cleans the bathrooms that night? Floor to ceiling stalls actually make it easier for all of those things to occur. This is a perfect picture of just how incompetent state and government institutions are. You know, here's the thought. How about we just make the girls' bathrooms for biological girls and the boys' bathrooms for biological boys. Keep the stall doors the way they are, save the community $11 million, and how about if there's a rape in a school? Let's keep the rapist out of school. Not a difficult decision. So let's sum up the story. In one school district, two high school girls were violently sexually assaulted by a male classmate who identifies as trans, once in a bathroom and once in a classroom. And the school's response to these horrific crimes is not to support, comfort, or provide safety to the girls, the actual victims, but the school's response is to support, comfort, and provide safety to the boys who say they're girls, to the group who actually did the raping. So the big takeaway for me is that these floor to ceiling stalls only provide deniability to teachers and administrators at the school. They're not concerned about the rape, the sexual assault, the drug use. They just don't wanna get in trouble for it. And that's all I have for you this week. That's the state of state schools. Take care, everybody.